Hello and welcome to our podcast. We are your hosts today, Sydney Day, Schrody Schrodinger, aka Aaron Smith. This one is called the Enneagram Non-Experts. Yes. We would love to say a quick thank you to our sponsors today. Our zero sponsors that we have. We have zero sponsors. Yes. This is a thank you in advance for all of you who will be signing up to sponsor yes. us after Send today. Send a check. Lots of money. Venmo. We accept anything. Cash app. Anyway, um, moving past that. Today we have a special guest, Nate Stone, who is a... Type 8. 8, 8, 8, 8. We have Nate on today. Nate is um, someone we met a few years back. Mm -hmm. So Nate is the founder of, um, or co-founder of the Cathedral and Bar Church. The Cathedral is an event space in Seattle. It's in Ballard. If you know Seattle, you know Ballard. Um, And this event space donates all of their profit to charity. And then Bar Church is something else that Nate does, which is basically a a new take on church. Uh, Very, very different from what you might think when you think of church. And it's it's great. And it is, again, all about kind of giving back to community, um, talking about faith and spirituality in regards to giving back to community. And so, as you can already tell, Nate is a fantastic person dedicated Mm -hmm. to improving the lives of other people. Yes. And he is a dad of three. A dad of three. Three children. Little ones. Yeah. So he's kind of like a superhero. But we'll get to that later in the podcast. (laughs) Anyway, welcoming Nate. Okay. Hit me with it. We appreciate you taking the time to to do this. And um, for everybody listening, we have Nate here. Thank you for joining us. Let's just start. Tell us, how are you today? Great. Great. Just, uh... Another day in the life. I have three kids, so and it's COVID, so every day kind of feels like, especially like Groundhog Day. So because yeah. you wake up in the morning, you feed your kids, you figure out how to make them survive, and then you go to work and you come back, and then you feed your kids again, and then you try to get them in bed, and then you start again in the morning. So, uh, but it's good in the season. It's helpful to um, just find little pockets to be present, which is really, I think, what what you know dictates happiness and contentment and not situations anyway. So I'm really good in summary. Good. good. It sounds like you don't have a lot of time to feed yourself in there. Uh, <laughs> I have the easy, so we have a weird schedule, my wife and I, and I actually do all the breakfast and my wife usually does dinners because of how our schedules work out. I usually end up hanging out with the kiddos until 10 and then I go work till late afternoon. Um, and so she usually runs dinner and dinner is significantly more complicated than breakfast. So I actually got it easy and I should step up the dinner game a little bit more because, uh, yogurt and granola is quite a bit easier than, uh, planning dinner for, for five humans. So I have it pretty easy. Wow. Well, lucky you. And thanks to, thanks to your lovely wife. Yes. Amy. Shout out to Amy. <laughs> yes, she's managing the humans right now, actually, while we do this uh, do this stuff. Mm, she deserves that shout out. Yeah, she does. Awesome. Yeah, three well, kids is real, guys. Three kids is a lot. And they're little. Five, three, and infant. It's a lot. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three kids mm-hmm. is serious. And I thought taking care of myself was hard work. I was just going to say, I can't even handle this kid. Yeah, I- well... <laughs> <laughs> everything's relative everything's relative everything feels everything feels hard when you're in it 
and then afterwards uh, usually doesn't feel quite as hard as it seemed in the moment. That's just kind of that's just kind of how we work as humans. I felt busy before I had kids, and I felt like life was challenging in many ways before I had kids. And now that I have kids, I'm like, what? What were you doing? What did yeah. you do with all your time? You could have just done whatever you wanted to every day. Uh, but I felt busy. Um, and so everything, everything is relative depending on where you're at, what you're up to. Yeah. It's part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about how you found out about the Enneagram or your type. I would love to. Um, I took the Enneagram, I don't know, probably five, six, seven years ago, something like that. Um, so a while back now, I worked at a place at the time that, uh, we did a lot of, call it self-discovery type of stuff as part of our roles. So um, Enneagram was a part of that. We also did some of the more, well, now Enneagram is really well known. But at the time, I didn't know hardly anybody that was familiar with it. Um, but we did, you know, stuff like Myers-Briggs and StrengthsFinder, mm-hmm. um, all different ways of kind of understanding how you individually operate and then how those individuals operate together. So I took it years ago. Um, and found out I was a type eight, uh, and type eight is, as you guys know, the challenger, um, which is fairly interesting to me because I think if you gave a stranger nine personality types, actually, one rephrase this: if you gave someone who didn't know the enneagram and you said these are nine personality types, and they knew me, they probably would know which enneagram type I was just by the name. So um, I have a real resistance to personality tests or whatever you want to call it, discovery tests in general, um, which makes sense because that's what my Enneagram would say about me is that I don't like any, any ability or any, uh, any attempt to put me in any kind of box I really yeah. uh, have a disdain for. So this will be interesting because I have a love-hate relationship with the Enneagram. Um, in many ways. So I think most people do. So yes, I'm a type eight, the challenger, probably the yeah. most difficult person you'll have to interview along this type. Us eights are, uh, we are, uh, we are a lot to handle at times. You know, that might be true, but also I was really excited for this interview because yeah. we can trust that like, you're going to tell us the truth and mm-hmm. you're going to tell us how you feel and you're not going to be afraid to like, give us some answers so yeah we really, I can really appreciate that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so what do you guys want to know so well I'm curious first of all I want to dig a little deeper into this um what is it about personality tests I guess you said it's because they put you in a box that's what doesn't feel good to you did you feel like uh you just felt that same way about the Enneagram when you found out about it and did you kind of just like not pay any attention to it or how much did you learn or how much do you know about the Enneagram and about what you know the qualities of an eight yeah so I mean I guess I don't the boxing is fine I, I kind of joke about that but really I think uh where I really get anti-Enneagram is no offense guys this is <laughs> speaking of telling the truth is uh it's, it's kind of like the CrossFit of personality tests in that, mm-hmm. like, you're like, listen, I'm sure it's a great workout, but if you tell me about CrossFit one more fucking time, I don't, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to blow my, I'm going to blow it. Just stop already. I get it. You had a great wad today. 
that's workout of the day, if you're not familiar. Um, and Enneagram <laughs> has a similar type of following in which mm-hmm. the people who like Enneagram just can't stop themselves from talking about it all the time. Um, we like can they, relate, yeah. They can't help it. Like everything, be like, oh, type eight. And you're like, oh, my God. Not everything <laughs> is about the Enneagram. Um, yeah. And, and other personality tests don't seem to have that same, uh, measure. And so like, you know, it'll come up, you know, maybe a Myers-Briggs will come up or strengths finder will come up or, um, actually like the EQI, which is emotional quotient. Um, I think that's what it's called. Uh, and that's like a fairly robust test about like where you measure on different emotional intelligence, um, categories. So, but when those come up, uh, they come up like fairly organically and Mm -hmm. the Myers-Briggs, like you wouldn't have to be talking or the Enneagram, you wouldn't have to be talking about the Enneagram, but someone who really loves the Enneagram will find a way to talk about the Enneagram. So some of my resistance to the Enneagram is Mm -hmm. less about the idea of self-discovery. I love that. I love the idea of understanding who I am and how I operate, why I operate the way I do. Um, what I usually push back against is anything, whether it's CrossFit or Enneagram, um, that feels like uh, like everything revolves around it, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. again, ironically is what an eight would say. Um, yeah, but you know, so. that makes I, – I really, I really understand that because it's kind of like – even more than CrossFit, right? Because it's everything you do, somebody can somehow relate to your Enneagram type. And sometimes that can right. feel really, even if people don't mean to put you in a box, yeah. it really does feel like that because you're like, I'm I'm just Nate. Like yeah. I'm just a person. I'm not, I'm not just this type eight. So mm-hmm. um, no, I'm with you there. I mean, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I actually really like, like, I've read, I've read multiple books on Enneagram, and I love what it brings, um, just like I love what other, you know, self-discovery tests bring, and I will say Enneagram is, is probably the most holistic of all the kinds that I've, I've taken, so, uh, you know, I'm a little hypocritical to say I have tension with mm-hmm. it, because I also think it's probably my favorite. Um, I just, I want to choose it. I don't want you to choose it for me. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, if I like it, that's great. But I don't want you to tell me how much, uh, I have to like it. Um, and again, that's like a, that's like a challenge of personality is, is I, if I come to the conclusion myself that Enneagram is amazing, uh, then that's fantastic. But if you, if you try to make me come to the conclusion I will, I will drag my feet, uh, yeah. <laughs> screaming and kicking and yelling until <laughs> until I get there. So, well, Nate, not to make this all about the enneagram, um, <laughs> well, no, but no, that's what that's what we do here. Um, this is where you talk but, about. <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny because that's kind of you know what we know and understand about the type eights is, and it's kind of like you're saying, is like their big desire is to be in control of themselves and be in control of their own lives and not Mm -hmm. feel like other people are controlling them. Mm -hmm. And I'm hearing some of that from what you're saying. It's very valid, but it's interesting. And I want to point that out to the viewers too, who might not know anything about the type eights, that that is kind of the main 
main, um, without going into too much detail about it, main fear is this fear of being controlled by other people, being harmed by other people. Main desire for the eight is to feel like they can protect themselves from the control mm-hmm. of other people and kind of be in control of themselves. Is that something you feel like um, is a part of your life? You you relate to that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, even the things that I give my life to are, you know, very similar to, well, like I like doing my own things and my own projects and I have a really hard time, um, letting go of control on high level stuff on small level stuff. I don't like, um, I, I have no problem with like how people want to do small things, people that work for me and so forth. Um, but on big vision stuff, I have really strong opinions. Um, and I want, I do want to be the decision maker, you know, the proverbial end of the basketball game, three seconds left on the clock. I want to be the one that takes a shot every single time. And, uh, and, and, and I, and I want to carry that load. Like I, I want to be the one that takes the responsibility if, if I miss, um, mm-hmm. but I primarily just want to know that I'm going to be the one taking that shot. Um, and I think I've been like that probably as long as I can remember. I think that's been yeah. my temperament. Mm-hmm. I mean, that probably makes you a really great leader. Yeah. You, kind of I think it, it depends. comforts me when you said that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of us need I other people. I was like, people. yes, <laughs> you donate. <laughs> Carry the weight for me. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, I want I want to. Now, there's obviously a lot of, and again, Enneagram, I think does a really good job of this. There's a lot of, like, baggage and um, unhealth that can come with that temperament too. So yeah, it sometimes it means I can be a good leader or sometimes it can mean I'm can be an overbearing, mm. um, leader or I can be really hard on people because I have really high expectations for them. Um, even mm-hmm. if I'm going with the ball, I want them to be participating, which is, um, yeah. which is a unique thing too. Um, so I don't know. It depends on, how I feel how I feel about a leader depends on when you ask me. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a thing we talk about and we've talked about in most of our other episodes too is like so often we see that the um the strength of each type and just each person in general is it can also be their downfall. Like the same thing, right? For what sure. makes you great might also be um when you're not doing so mm-hmm. great, it's the same thing that gets in the way of you being great. Right? For sure. Mm-hmm. The the negative things that come from an aid are you know, I can be a, I can be a bully if I'm not careful or I can be, um, condescending, um, patronizing. Like there's all these things that can come out. Um, and the flip side of those are like encouraging and patient Mm -hmm. and, uh, and how, how it manifests is pretty closely connected to my own personal well-being and health, which you guys already know how that fleshes out in the Enneagram specifically. Yeah. Man, as a as a one, um, I relate to a lot of those same 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 things. <laughs> I can't relate to those, but I, I it's interesting because I feel like I surround myself with people who can relate to those so that it can kind of rub off on me. Yeah. So I appreciate the directness and the honesty that an eight and a one bring to the table. Do you guys have many eights in your lives? 
I, I, I don't. It's funny yeah. that the two We're tough. Eights, We're tough customers. But you know what? The two eights outside of you that I know that I can think of off the top of my head are both in management at my company mm. at where mm. I work. So yeah, I funny. have some eights in my life. Um, some I get along with, some I don't necessarily get along with. But the yeah, ones that I do, it's in, yeah, it's interesting because those that I do, their opinion matters to me the most. Yeah. So when they're honest with me, like I respect their opinion so much that I, I, I know whatever they're, uh, whatever they're telling me, they have good intentions behind it. Yeah, I always yeah. tell people that. Uh, especially if they don't know me super well, that they can always count on me to say what I mean and mean what I say. Yes. Um, which hopefully there's a comfort in that because it means that, I mean, every once in a while that, you know, stubs your toe. But for the most part, hopefully it means that people always trust that when I when I say something, um, both good or bad, you know, if I have critique or feedback, they know that I, that I mean it and that I said it because I thought about it. Uh, mm-hmm. but it also means that when I encourage people or tell people things I like about them or things I notice about them or that I care about them, um, hopefully that carries weight with them as well. And again, yeah, it's it comes it. down to, yeah, I mean it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, cause yeah, I say what I mean. And I mean what I say now, I think where maturity comes into play is, uh, in my youth, I used to think that that meant you say everything you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and where you know maturity and own personal growth come into play we're like no like if you do if you do if you are going to live that way then you ought to be really careful uh about what is about to come out of your mouth um and unfortunately for an eight we can't we we can't fake it um and so one of the really challenging things about being an eight is you you have to do the like internal work um, otherwise everyone's going to find out how you're really feeling about things. Um, and it'll come out in in really unhealthy ways. Cause we don't people with my temperament, um, we do say what we mean when we say, and if what we're thinking and operating isn't particularly kind, um, it comes out, which is, you know, I got myself yeah. into a lot of trouble when I was young. Cause I thought that that was being honest and you'll hear people yeah. with eights be like, don't get mad at me. I'm just telling the truth. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a lot of arrogance in that disposition potentially. Um, because just cause you mean something doesn't mean you should say it. And, mm. and sometimes like we all think things that aren't kind and, um, what healthy people do is they go, Oh, that wasn't very kind. What am I going to do to ensure that I change that thought pattern? Not, well, I'm just going to say it out loud and it hurts their feelings. <laughs> Tough shit. You know, like, uh, and I think, you know, I think that's where, that's where growth comes in. And that's yeah. something, you know, I've been, I, I've had to like consciously work on for the last 15 years probably really is, yeah. is how do I transform the inside? Because what's inside for, for me is, is going to come out. Um, Cause I don't have that fake it gene. I don't have that. I can't lie to people. I can't, um, if it, if, if it butts against my ideals, I like, there's something like internally inside me that won't allow me to do it. Um, so (laughs) I have to do all the internal work because who I am is going to be discovered. 
and I would say that for everyone, yeah. it's just faster with me. You know, like yeah. you spend mm-hmm. like a month with me and you're like, okay, we know exactly who that guy is. <laughs> um, and again, that's yeah. a simplification, right? Because we're all more complex than a one to nine rating anyway. You guys talked about this in one of your other podcasts. Like we're all everything. We're just mm-hmm. more of some things. So I'm almost all eight. Right? I mean, I've taken multiple mm-hmm. different kinds. I've taken the, I'm assuming you guys have taken the longest one at this point, right? The one that's mm-hmm. like an hour. Um, so I am like very hard eight with my second highest is seven and I got no nine. Nine is like no void. <laughs> Me too, dude. Uh, I, no void. No I nine. I can't say the nine same is, thing. But. Nine is see you later. No, no justice, no peace. Uh, whoever that was an eight that that wrote that line um because that's definitely that's definitely my operating system is is challenge 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 with a little bit of that seven enthusiast but i have a lot of eights in my life and Mm -hmm. almost all of them are like they they all lead in some capacity lead and create in some capacity Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Not that all eights do, but there definitely are some parallels for sure. Yeah. Well, you probably appreciate, like, I could see because of your appreciation of, like, honesty and the truth and saying things, you know, how how it is, that that would make a lot of sense you'd have a lot of eights because there are other people who will do that. And so I could see you having a lot of respect for people like that because that's what you value. Well, and they have thicker skin. No, that's a wrong way to say it. They – they're used to communicating fairly straightforward and sometimes yeah. blunt. And so mm-hmm. uh, we hurt each other's feelings less because we just, this, it's just yeah. like, oh, that's, that's how I communicate too. Um, whereas there's definitely certain mm-hmm. Enneagram types that historically I've noticed like, oh, I'm really hard for you. Like I like, like mm-hmm. when we're in a room together, I, I really stress you out. Um, or make you uncomfortable, um, um, which is something that I want to work on because ideally I can find a way to operate with everyone, not just the people who communicate and operate exactly the way I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need a little bit of everyone. That's kind of the beauty in it is, um, we need people like you that are going to speak their mind and you know we all need that friend that like when you're being an idiot is going to be like hey you're being an idiot (laughs) and sometimes we need the friend who's going to be like I'm here for you and I'm not going to give my opinion and I'm just going to like hug you and so you know we need we need it all so um no that's great one thing about my healthy eight friends that I really appreciate is I I feel so protected by Mm -hmm. them that's one thing I really we like like to protect yeah we like to protect we got a little little savior complex that we got to work through, but we like to protect. Um, and yes, you're right, Sid, like with friendships. I mean, in general, I, I mean, at least I look at my friendships as like a board of directors. Um, mm-hmm. And as I grow older, I notice that um, I definitely wear a pretty specific hat in a lot of my friendships um, because that's the personality I am. And then similarly, I have, my board of directors and they have different personality types and different insights because ideally you look around your board and it's not all the same person. Mm-hmm. Ideally you look at your proverbial board as you're navigating 
growing up in life. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gives me freedom to be like, sometimes people leave boards and they come and then you find new people to join your board. Um, and that's just life. I think in general, I think sometimes I, I forget that not all your friends will be your best friends until you mm-hmm. die. <laughs> um, which again is actually something that I don't think eights are particularly good at. We like, like having our pretty tight circles. Um, but anyway, I want to yeah. get to actual Enneagram stuff instead of this is also, I think this is an eight thing too, but we can talk. I love mm. it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I love that because I'm the yeah. same way. I'm, I'm like, you let me talk and I'll just. Well, and I'm a real, I don't know how you are, but I'm a real verbal processor. So yeah, I spend my life throwing things on a proverbial whiteboard. And then yeah. after that on that whiteboard, then I can organize them, which is actually yeah. where like some of that, like say what you mean when you say stuff does get a little tricky. Cause sometimes I say something that I don't mean, but I thought mm-hmm. I meant it. You have but to I didn't figure know. out what you mean. Yes. But I didn't know <laughs> that I didn't mean it until I said it out loud. And then I'll come back to you and say, Hey, I said that thing. Cause I, at that moment mm-hmm. I was feeling a certain way about something. Um, yeah. but then once I got it out there, I actually don't, I actually don't believe that. I don't feel that way. And I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets me into trouble, which is why yeah. eights have to get really good at, well, if you want to be a healthy person and you are an eight, you have to get really good at apologizing. Um, and like practicing humility, um, because we have a tendency to to hurt people's feelings um, yeah. unintentionally or to say things that we didn't think were hurtful, but after we had an opportunity to think about them, they are. Um, and sometimes we say things just to fucking see how people react. Um, and not even necessarily consciously, but we just want to see, like, if you mm-hmm. can handle the heat. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and then when people can... Um, it, it, it garners more buy-in with them. But then there yeah. are some eights that you get really unhealthy and you just get in a cycle where you just, you just never apologize. And that's where you end up with narcissists and bullies mm-hmm. and people are just mm-hmm. mean. And if you, and that's like a pretty normal thing you see in unhealthy eights is this, like this resistance and inability to, to, to humble themselves and apologize. And yeah. for like, about 10 years ago, I realized that I was, um, I just wasn't very kind to people a lot. And I started making a real practiced, earnest effort on being more gentle. Um, and for like, probably like two years, I felt like I was apologizing all the time, like mm-hmm. all the time. And, and, and not, and I needed to, there were times where I was like, mm-hmm. that was, that was like an unkind way to say it. Um, but if you want to be a healthy eight, I think you just got to get used to being wrong a lot, which is mm. not something an eight gets stoked about. Yeah. What are the questions you want to yeah. ask? Yeah. I'm ready. Well, what does your ideal day look like? Oh, my ideal day. Um, I was sleeping. Um, probably. Mm-hmm. Wait, I could do anything here, right? Yeah, your ideal. This is like your picture-perfect day. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Dream it all up. Yeah. Okay, so I wake up. I'm either in a cabin in the woods or, uh, like, on a beach somewhere, sleeping a little bit. 
Um, first thing I do is I get some coffee and I read for probably an hour. Um, I love reading. Um, it'd be with Amy. Uh, so this is inappropriate, but you asked me what my ideal day looks like. So, <laughs> so there's probably some physical touch, uh, during the day. Am I allowed to say that? You asked me what my we ideal day inter- was. We got the explicit filter on our <laughs> Yeah. <podcast. laughs> we already uh, talked about love language and all of our <laughs> other podcasts. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. So, um, and then I probably just like hang out with the family. And then ideal day again would be to go out like to a nice dinner with Amy. And then... I'm squeezing everything in here because this is this is also maybe an eight thing is like can we do can we have everything can we have it all uh, and we, we only try have one to. day so and there's a lot to. of pressure uh, and then uh, we would spend time with friends in the evening that's probably my like ideal day if it had reading Amy my kids and my friends um, mm-hmm. that's really like all those are like my like favorite things to do yeah. Um, yeah, that's my ideal day right now. I love it. Nice. A COVID free going out to dinner. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds what nice. That like? What are you reading? What would you be reading? Um, I would probably, I mean, so I have this habit where at any given time I'm reading 10, 15 books. Um, it, used wow. to stress, it used to stress me out, and now, uh, now I just – no, it's just it's just my rhythm. Um, so I'll always have a couple of fiction books. I'll always have at least one or two books that are spirituality focused. I'll always have one or two that are like business minded. Um, one or two that's like parenting. I just always have a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And then usually I'll try to. It's like when I every night I read every night before bed, uh, and I'll usually read twenty to thirty minutes of a fiction that I'm excited about. And then 20, 30 minutes of something nonfiction. So, like, mm. last night I read um, – I love sci-fi, huge sci-fi nerd. Um, so I read, like, a sci-fi a book that I – Great. I knew is you it, were going to say that. Is it, is it The Expanse? No. Did you ever watch Lost? Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite show of all time. Oh, that's the show. I- yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. the one. Okay. That's great. It. I thought it was maybe like a new show or something. I was very excited. I yes, I've seen Lost. I love. I love anything in that in that general realm. Um, and then I read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius for a half hour. Mm. Um, so I read. I mean, I I like a lot of people say they like everything. Um, I really do like to read almost everything. Awesome. Nice. Well, okay. While we're this is the perfect segue into another question we have for you that we ask every guest okay so and we know now your favorite genre of books kind of which the answer is everything but (laughs) what is your favorite genre of music uh it's it's rap so what why rap do you know why is there a reason you like it yeah, I mean, I can cheat a little bit because you said you might be asking this question, so I had to think about it a little bit. But um, I like uh, I like Great feeling jacked. Like I like feeling jacked. I like feeling and there's in multiple ways. Like I like feeling just like pumped up and ready to go. 
And I also like uh, feeling mad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that feeling of controlled rage. Mm-hmm. I don't like uncontrolled rage, right? That 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 moment where you're about to snap um, and and it just, everything you're thinking comes out. At least that's, that's how I operate, um, unfortunately, sometimes. Um, I don't like when I don't have control, but when mm-hmm. there's something about rap that feels like mm-hmm. controlled rage. Um, yeah. And I think that anger and rage can actually really be healthy things to navigate um, if they're done so in a safe environment. And so rap, um, I think, is one of the genres that most... And I like. I actually really like, again, similar to... Just in general, I like a lot of things. So, like, mm-hmm. I love a lot of different types of movies. I love different types of books. I love different types of stories. I love different types of music. Like, there's very few. I like almost every type of food. I like a lot of different drinks. I mean, I like um, almost everything and everything. And, I mean, that really it sounds like a silly yeah. generalization to make. But, like, I'm not picky, and I'm not picky in almost any category. And I've been like this for a long time, too. Like, I just like new and learning um mm-hmm. so the only like music i don't like is i don't like metal i don't like country but i like everything else like everything mm-hmm. from like oldies to opera to classical music to rap nice. to pop i love taylor swift i love it all yeah um, thank you olivia rodriguez preach just kidding <laughs> but but if i uh but if i if someone's like what are you gonna listen to right now if you can only listen one thing, it is it's it's unequivocally rap. Um, yeah, there's mm-hmm. this feeling, um, and I think sense I of like release. Yeah, sense of release, and I think because someone who is an eight feels uh, like anger a lot, it's nice when you can do it in healthy ways. Whether that's like yeah. work, it's like working out, and listening to rap. I love combining those two because it's like I can get all of that out. Mm-hmm. in a controlled healthy environment where it doesn't hurt anybody um in any way like it just allows mm-hmm. me to be and to release um yeah. in a really it's safe again, way like, like we talked with a uh, mason about it's like it's it's cathartic right it's like yeah. this mm-hmm. just way to get all this stuff gone well and that's and- probably why it exists in the first place Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, rap exists because it was an expression of rage and frustration and anger. Mm -hmm. Um, And it shouldn't surprise us that it helps others identify with those same elements. That's how it it began. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the beauty of art, right? We all feel these things that are universal and, you know, touches something in you and you feel good. Yeah. Or you feel terrible, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's why the, like, controlled, safe part matters, right? Because when you feel bad and you're angry is when you lose control and you say something that, like, deeply wounds a friend. Or you um, or you do something and there's a major consequence. Or even the feeling of shame, right? Like, uh, maybe you guys haven't done this, but, like, you're in traffic and you, like, honk your horn at somebody. And then you, like, pull up next to them and you're like, ah... That was like, don't look at me. <laughs> no, that's not me. That's not me. I look. I look. Uh, or like, or I'll apologize. Or I'll apologize. Like I, I honked at a guy probably a year ago, maybe longer, who ran a stop sign and almost hit me. And so I honked um, in many ways as a reaction. 
Mm-hmm. But then I was like, ah, you did it on accident, big deal. And then we ended up parking like across the street from each other. And I walked towards him and he thought I was like going to fight him. And I was like, hey, man, I just want to say sorry. It's not, a, I just oh, react, uh-huh. I like reacted in a haunt and mm-hmm. like it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, and I think he was like amped up and like ready. And so he was like, no problem. And that was it. And it was like really awkward, but like, uh, <laughs> he probably didn't know. How, yeah. He yeah. didn't know how to react. <laughs> yeah. But like that initial feeling after the feeling always leaves mm-hmm. you, even if there's no actual consequence, it leaves mm-hmm. you feeling like you didn't measure up. If you're honest, like you didn't measure up to who you want to be. Um, unless you just let the rage take over completely. Um, mm-hmm. which is how you end up with road rage or, you know, like YouTube comment right. threads or whatever is when, you know, aye, aye, aye. yeah, they, you just allowed rage to, to take control in, of the proverbial steering wheel. I feel like I could learn a lot from you, Nate. I get, I'll, um, I'll like, uh, be tailing someone and I hate that. I think that's terrible. I think it's dumb. It's dangerous, mm-hmm. but I'll do it in those moments of weakness and then I end up pulling up next to them and I literally am like, do not look at me. I'm so embarrassed. Because by that point, I'm like, I know I shouldn't have done that. And the shame is just like taking over. And I'm like, yeah. oh, God. I mean, I think that's why I think that's why like traffic is so hard on our psyche for a lot of reasons. But, uh, you know, they measured brain activity during traffic. And um, this is this is very anecdotal and not related to Enneagram, but I think it's interesting. Uh, the brain can't distinguish between a car driving next to you and a tiger. Like the brain just oh, thinks yeah. danger, right? They're yeah. like danger, um, which is why we feel intense when we're in traffic um, or like when we're merging on like a really busy freeway, we feel that like intense anxiety um, mm-hmm. or like I feel competitive, like the evolutionary capacity <laughs> of competitive. I'm like, I'm like, we're racing. Like, yeah, we're racing. You don't know it, but we are. Uh, this is fast and, and furious. I'm winning. Yeah, it's because we, we, you know, humans have been around for a long, long, long time. Cars and traffic has only been around for a generation, really. And so our bodies mm-hmm. just haven't adjusted yet. And so we feel these intense emotions, this fight or flight response. And then we put us in these vehicles of metal that are thousands of pounds. And then you see how people interact. And the challenge with it is there's never – there actually really isn't any opportunity for real fight-or-flight decisions. So you just end up perpetually in a fight-or-flight cycle when you're in yeah. the car mm-hmm. instead of being like, hey, I'm not really mad at you. No big deal. Okay, that's enough on driving. But It's uh, <laughs> interesting. You, yeah. Y'all just got educated. Maybe. <laughs> Better be grateful maybe to the still listeners. Here. They're still here. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of anger, what is what would you say your relationship is with it? Ooh bad not great i mean getting better um but i have to be really conscious of it uh, a lot of that is personality a lot of that is environment uh, which you know enneagram obviously takes that into account uh my relationship with anger uh is complicated <laughs> um, yeah when you say when you say bad that was your first response do you mean bad in in the way of like you are reacting badly to anger like externally you get angry a lot or do you mean it just like feels bad yeah I think I um I get angrier I get more angry than the average individual uh I'm kind of like uh there's a scene from the first Avengers. Have you guys seen it? Oh yes. Well, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> Aaron, it's not a test. I've seen the it. last Avengers, and that's it. Oh my gosh! 
What have you been doing the last 20 years? Don't worry, I go, gave her the full breakdown on a walk one day. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, it's not really your fault because the first Iron Man came out when you were like two, probably. Yeah. So yeah. Like, it's kind of like being recommended a show and they're like, yeah, there's only 140 episodes. You're like, I don't have time to watch 140 episodes. No. You do because you don't have kids. You definitely have time. But anyway, Avengers. <laughs> doesn't matter if you've seen it or not. There's this scene in the Avengers when... Uh, the Avengers are are working together for the first time, and Bruce Banner arrives in the city. The city's being okay. infiltrated so by ask. yeah, infiltrated by. Uh, I was gonna tell her, uh, infiltrated <laughs> by the Shatari, uh, and they're going to war essentially in the city of New York. And uh, Bruce Banner shows up, and he's not Hulk yet. He's just Bruce Banner, and then. He tells the, the Avengers are like, "Hey man, you should you should turn into Hulk." They tell him suit up, and he goes, "You want to know my secret?" He said, "I'm always angry." And then he flips a switch and turns into the Hulk really quickly. <laughs> I feel like that like anger is just always kind of un, just mm. under the surface for me. And what I try to consciously work on and have been working on for a long time, and probably will be until I die, is how to control that like anger. Mm-hmm. Cause my anger also um, similar to what you were talking about earlier, Sid is also like motivates me to do meaningful work a lot of times. So I get angry when kids uh, locally and globally are, are hungry or hurt. It, yeah. it produces mm-hmm. this anger in me. And not even an anger at a, at someone, an anger that that is that exists in this world. That there's such a thing as a hungry child, mm-hmm. a starving child. I get angry, and my anger propels me to take risks and make decisions and um, live my life in such a way that I can do something positive. So I actually don't. I've actually moved past being like I just want to eliminate that completely mm-hmm. and get more to a. Um, does it rule me or do I rule it? And can I activate it? Can I activate it only when it's necessary? Um, And anger is a hard thing because anger often, including for myself, only kind of is interpreted as like punching a wall um, Mm. or, you know, or yelling at someone. When anger, like most emotions, is actually fairly complex. There's a lot to it. Um, and usually there's a feeling behind it that causes the anger. So when I see injustice, it makes me first angry. And then if I allow myself to sit in it, then sad, but then the anger comes back and then, and it propels me to take action. So Mm -hmm. my relationship to anger is fairly complex. Um, and I think I'm just a passionate person and Mm -hmm. that isn't going away. And so that that part of me that gets angry, um, that's just who I am. And my job as someone who wants to become a healthier person uh, and, a, and a contributor to the human race, I don't, I don't need to get rid of it. I need to make sure that I control it and it doesn't control me, which is essentially what Hulk is trying to do, yeah. right? Hulk is like trying to find ways to be mm-hmm. like, hey, this monster is here. Yeah, the end. 
He's just like, yeah. he becomes one. With... Yeah, becomes one, right? <laughs> this um, isn't and his strength becomes a weakness. Spoilers. Um, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers. Whatever. If you haven't seen it, it's on you, Aaron. Uh, so yeah, I saw the my, last one. That's my relationship to anger is it's complex. Um, and it's constantly teaching me about myself if I allow it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I mean, any any type of growth comes from awareness first. And from everything I know about you, Nate, you're, you got a lot of that. So it's good. So, the fact that you can answer a question as, as, as broad as what's your relationship with anger with so much like knowledge, self-knowledge, mm-hmm. man, you're doing awesome. You know that though. Sometimes. Sometimes I feel, sometimes I feel like I'm awesome. A great way to not feel like you're doing awesome is to have kids because you just, Mm. you very consistently, they're just mirrors. Um, Not even their personality, but uh, who they are will bring out who you are. Um, And so you very consistently learn um, Mm. how imperfect you really are once you have kids. Not to mention, they really test your patience, I'm sure, oh all God. the time. Even the greatest kids of all time. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, my kids are great. Um, but yes, kids are, I mean, they are, it's like boot camp, right? They're going to, okay, yeah. we're going to, you don't get to sleep as much. You're going to be really busy doing stuff all the time. And also, mm-hmm. you have this little person that constantly needs something from you. Uh, right and you gotta be like very careful about you know when you're a parent you're thinking about like everything I can only guess but (laughs) you're thinking about everything that you're doing that's influencing your child so that's a lot of pressure too it's not just it's not just the kid you know being hard to to be around or whatever and and testing your limits and not getting sleep it's like you have this like really really huge pressure that's probably I would argue one of the biggest pressures of being human is like everything you're doing right is influencing somebody else in a way that um might make a huge impact and that's a lot and and So you are doing great because already that like listen to everything you're balancing. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, and this is hyperbole a little bit, but I actually think it is the hardest thing to do in yeah. human experience is, is be a parent. Um, and mm-hmm. I haven't, I'm not, I'm only, uh, I'm not, I'm, there's so many seasons of life that I haven't navigated yet. So maybe, maybe they'll, maybe I'll have something else in 30 years, but I don't think so. I don't think there's anything harder. Um, emotionally than being a parent for the, for, you know, one of the reasons you just mentioned is yes, the immense weight of being like, of worrying about which things you're imprinting on your kids at an early age or like, Mm -hmm. did, did me just losing my temper? Is that, did her brain just store that as trauma? Cause I yelled, I, Mm -hmm. you know, like all that stuff is really heavy, particularly if you deeply care, which, um, mm-hmm. which I, I do, there's nothing more important I'll ever do than be a dad. So, um, yeah. 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 Well, you're doing great. Why don't we, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, uh, you, are you familiar with the love languages? I'm familiar. So do you have some that you primarily feel like are, are your main love languages, whether it, you know, and maybe it changes 
like we're talking about your kids and maybe you have something that works with your kids and something that's different with Amy or a way you like to receive love. And mm-hmm. we're yeah. curious about the relationship of um, or the relation between the Enneagram and love languages, if there is one, maybe yeah. not. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would say anecdotally, it seems like there might be, at least with, with other eights. Uh, it's, for me, it's definitely clearly words of affirmation, physical touch. The other three are mm-hmm. like, cool. I mean, gifts are neat. Um, <laughs> and I like quality time. Um, so, I mean, just like everything, I like all of them. But... Yeah. Um, most assuredly words of wis- words of wisdom uh, uh, words of affirmation um, maybe they're the same and uh, physical touch are are my the two ways that I uh, receive it best um, mm. which in a dating relationship or romantic relationship are interesting things to navigate because um, it's not super uncommon to end up with someone who is the opposite, right? Who, yeah. who receives, uh, definitely not similar to the case with Amy and I, um, like she's not like, I am like, I am, and anybody who knows me, knows, I am like encouraging maybe even to an annoying part. Like I just, mm-hmm. I tell people the things I think about them that are positive and I say it all the time. We have a rule in our house. Uh, we have a rule in our house that if you think something kind, you have to say it with your mouth. Um, so, like, the girls would just walk around, and I fucking love this about our girls. Cleveland is our oldest especially, but she'll, like, she'll see someone with purple hair, and she'll walk up to them, and she'll say, I think your purple hair is really pretty. Or, like, she'll see someone, or she'll see someone and she'll like their shirt, and she'll be like, Daddy, I like your shirt. And I'm like, okay, well, what do you do? And so she'll walk over to them and she'll be like, I love your shirt. It's so beautiful. She does, so we have a rule in our house that if you I think something that. kind, you have to say yeah. it out loud. You don't get to keep that for yourself. It's not yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely how I operate. That the things I think that are kind, I want those to really go out. Um, and so I do it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, but then I want it. <laughs> I want it back. Yeah. So I have to, I have to pretty often um, stop and be like, okay, they didn't, they're not gonna, they're not gonna say the things you say. Um, <laughs> but like, I want to be liked. I want people to think that I'm cool. And we yeah. all do, right? I want people to think I'm cool. And, that I'm smart, you know, like there's just things about us. I was like, we just, we want people to think nice things about us. Uh, yeah. And so it's helpful for us to remind me of that. So that then, in fact, if any, if you are listening to this podcast, I actually think a great life rule is if you think something kind, you got to say it out loud. Um, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just like, just imagine if you said all these people out in the world, just like telling each other nice things. It's just, it's such a stupid, silly that. thing. Yeah. Um. As, as the two she's like that's my mom. yeah take note <laughs> well it is it's like what yeah it's like once you say that once you just brought that up i'm like yeah why don't we what like why why not because it's What's scary for not doing it because it's scary i mean like i see this with cleveland i see this with cleveland when we first started like teaching her how to do it she'd be like she'd be like i think that guy is really handsome or like, I mean, whatever it is, you know, for a five-year-old, it's usually something that she can see, right? Like she's not like, she's not like, 
I think you're really smart. You know, like she's, she's, it's just things she can really see. Mm-hmm. So it's almost always something physical with her. Um, but when we first started doing with her, she'd be like, she'd be like, I would, we tell her like, okay, go tell him. And she'd be like, I'm scared. Can you come with me? And we'd be like, sure. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to be scared though. Why are you scared? And she's like, well, what if they, what if they don't like it? I think even at, even, yeah. um, at that age, they recognize that like, even if it doesn't, even if it's not logical, the fear of rejection is so powerful, even from mm-hmm. a young age. They're like, what if I tell them something nice and they think I'm weird or yeah. they, or they don't receive it well, or they roll their eyes or the, you know, like even like Cleveland regularly or all again, she'll wave to people. And, and I get nervous sometimes. I'm like, if they don't smile back or wave at her, I have to fight them to the death. That's, that's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. But I love because, that. Because I want to protect her, right? And so I'm like, if you fucking wave back, she's been so nice to you. But um, but the more she does it, the less she's afraid of it. Yeah. In the same way, saying kind things about people is a measure of vulnerability, and vulnerability is really yeah. scary mm-hmm. because it then gives someone the opportunity to throw it back at us and wound us. So – that's yeah. why we don't do it. Um, it's just not very logical, but almost no fear is. No, you're right. That's a mm-hmm. good challenge. Yeah, I think we should challenge all of our listeners to do that yeah. this week. Like this week. Make it a point. In the next just try week. it. It feels so Start good right if you're now. like Yeah. It feels so good if you're like like I try not to as like a uh thirty something male, I try to mostly do it with uh like I'm not commenting young women. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's a good call. Right. So, but it, but it's like, but it's like, it, it like there's ways to do it that can be really innocent and helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, I really like your glasses. Oh, or like, oh my gosh, this is the best latte I've had in a long time. Like, yeah. it isn't that hard. Um, the other reason I say is because sometimes I feel like I don't want to give guys too much permission to yeah. to say whatever they think. Um, yeah, you got to do it in a, uh, elo- eloquent manner, um, yeah. Yeah, and not want to get anything from it. Yes. It's just, you mm-hmm. say it just to, cause you mean it. it. Cause you mean yeah, it. You say it cause you mean it and yeah. you, you'll never, and, and hopefully like in some cases, like the idea of like never seeing them again actually gives you like freedom too. Cause you're like, oh yeah. Like I'm just gonna say something nice and I'll never see him again. And hopefully, it took their day from like a you know, if you're on a hundred, a hundred scale, it took their day from like a 23 to a 26, right? And that's that's kind oh, of oh yeah, that's kind of the hope, I guess, as you're walking through your day, is that you can just put little deposits in people's exactly. emotional mm-hmm. bank accounts throughout the day. Um, yeah, let me tell you, you mentioned like complimenting a latte. We both were baristas. She, you still are. Yeah. The customer that tells you you're doing a great job when you feel like every customer's been mad at you all day, yeah. that doesn't just take it from 23 to 10, 26. That takes it from 23 to 100. Like, that feels so good, and it's the smallest compliment. You know, the customer that just comes in is like, I'm fine with the weight. I can tell that you're working really hard. Yeah. Good job. And you're like, oh. Yeah, especially if there's <gasps> one customer that maybe didn't like something, and yeah. then it just feels at least for me it feels like it wrecks your whole day uh-huh yeah you need that one well, and, yeah. and negative and negative feedback uh neurologically sticks instantly and positive feedback mm-hmm. you have to sit in for a minute so 
Yeah. It's so it the, takes, what's that quote about uh, negative, our brains cling to negative, or negative experiences are like uh, Velcro? It's like, ve- and it's like Velcro it's like versus, um, I can't remember, but Teflon, it's uh, Right? Yeah, something like that, but I'm going to screw it up. But yes, something about our brains, um, because we want to avoid pain, we register pain, both emotional and physical, really quick. Um, yeah. Which is why when a kid touches a hot stove, uh, they usually never do again because, or you get shocked, uh, right? You do it once and your brain's like, nope. Um, Emotional pain registers the same way as physical pain, neurologically for humans. Um, And so when someone, that's why when someone says something rude to you, uh, if you're not careful, it can destroy your entire day. Um, really quickly, um, and you can sit in it. Whereas positive emotions, you have to sit in. You know, they say like three breaths. So like, whenever I'm like, if I'm like, if I'm like cuddling with the girls, or like I'm holding Maverick and he's smiling, um, I try to be present in it. I try anyway, but I really try to be present in it for at least a few breaths, so that my brain's like, oh yeah, this is this is the stuff. This is the yeah. stuff that's good. Yeah. Um, you got to intentionally soak it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is annoying, right? Wouldn't it be nice if it was the other way around? I know. Uh, but you know what? I think the goal with that is like it, the more you do that, the more good you're going to notice, right? The more intentional you are about noticing the good and feeling it, then yeah. your brain is going to be primed for Yeah, and you wouldn't grow if if mm-hmm. pain didn't really hurt. Yeah. You should mm-hmm. sit in it, right? I mean, yeah. we don't – unfortunately, we don't change until it hurts a little bit, most of us. Um. So we would just, we would just, for the most part, remain stagnant um, in our status quo if we didn't feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, most people would rather mm-hmm. be in an uncomfortable situation than they know than a comfort than a, or a comfortable situation that they know than an uncomfortable situation that they don't. Um, anyway, yeah. what other questions we got, guys? Well, so, I think we we've made it to the. The final the question, our most riveting question, It's the most important one mm-hmm. for sure. Great. Yeah. Take Which uh, movie or TV character do you relate to the most? Yeah, this one's hard. I know you guys gave me mm-hmm. this one because <clears throat> there's a hard. It's hard to answer without sounding like super narcissistic for an eight. I feel like. Um, <laughs> no, let's like, hear it. Yeah. Well, like if you just go through our most of our stories are not most. A lot of our stories are revolved around like fictional eight characters, like. The mm-hmm. Avengers. Take the Avengers, for example. They're all probably eights. <laughs> I mean, like, most of them, right? They're all, like, they're all, like, they're all heroes, but in many cases, they're heroes of problems that they created, which is, uh, <laughs> which is, like, uh, which is kind of, like, oh, like, feels very uh, apropos. Um, but, like, you know, I could go with, like, a Hulk. Um, I think another example would be, like, a Khaleesi from Game of Thrones. Like, she's an I eight. I love Game of Thrones. She's for sure an eight. Like, she's like, she's like this bullheaded, strong individual, but also mm-hmm. ends up like being like pretty crazy um, mm-hmm. because she's, she's gone through enough trauma and developed enough unhealthy habits that she hasn't checked. Um, so, like, one of those for sure. I feel like most of our heroes in our stories are either eights or um, threes. Like, what do you think Harry Potter is? Oh, gosh. 
You put us on this, but that's hard. We should yeah. do a Harry Potter episode. We should. So most of our stories, at least in Western culture, are either around someone yeah. who's like an eight, who's like, I'm going to, I want to fix everything that's wrong. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. traditional eight. Or the reluctant hero, which is like the, the Harry Potter. Mm-hmm, the opposite. The, the like, I don't yep. want to be, but I have no choice because this is the circumstance that I find myself in. Uh, and almost all of our Western stories are revolved around one of those two temperaments. Mm-hmm. Either the... Yeah. Either or a the, hero that doesn't want any help. That's an eight. <laughs> yeah, that's or a one. I feel or like. a one. Jack. Yeah. 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 A Jack, a Harry Potter, a Jon Snow um, from Game of Thrones as well. Um, the reluctant hero who is forced by circumstance. And then the rest of them are like, mm. I'm a hero... Like, Iron Man, for sure, Nate. Oh, you know, like, gosh. I would you know? argue that he's a three, man. You think so? The money, the riches, the fame. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> what you said that. Achieving, 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 achieving. Yeah, what's he, what's he say? What are you without the suit? And he's like, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, genius, or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Something oh, like that. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Anyway, so, yeah, like a Hulk or Khaleesi, I think. Um, okay. I know you guys love The Office, but I don't think The Office has any eights. Um, yeah. Well, maybe Stanley. Yeah, but he's like a... No. He's like Stanley's, a wing nine. Yeah. Stanley's... Uh, no, Stanley's not an eight because an eight <laughs> can't sit still. It's like the opposite of an eight. Like, uh, true, like true. Eights, eights have to do something. Yeah, like I don't know. You're right. Um, even that something's unhealthy, they're going to do. How something. about um, uh, uh, what was Pam's uh, first husband? Roy. Roy. Maybe he's kind of a bully. Or Daryl. I was thinking maybe Daryl. Yeah. I was thinking maybe Daryl. Um. Jan. Think... Jan. Jan might be. Jan might be. <laughs> we should call her up, have her take the test. Jan, <laughs> take the test. Where are you, Jan? Yeah, we got our yeah. office reference in for this episode. It was just oh, like a little promise for to ourselves that we'll yes. do this. No, we did Thanks. it, guys. Thank we you. did it. No problem. Sorry, I didn't have a clear eight correlation with the office. Um, well, there's not. Here's many. the thing about. Well, and here's the thing about an eight. Most eights aren't working in a paper sales place. Mm-hmm. So, because so, what we do has to matter, and we're like, paper doesn't matter. Can't do it. Um, so, um, maybe not. Maybe there's a maybe there's a. Paper I like the mother of there. dragons, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's tight. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to go out that way. I was bummed about it. I've not watched any of Game of Thrones yet. It's my favorite show of all time, but I read the books first. So, ooh, so, I didn't even know there were books. <laughs> yeah, they're old. I mean, not old, old, but the first book was probably early '90s. Well, okay, guys. With that, thank you. We yeah, thank you. Are so happy to have had you today, and this was fantastic. And I feel like we learned a lot about you, and hopefully, hopefully, our audience has learned a little bit of what it's like to be inside the brain of a type eight enneagram. Mm. Don't make don't an inside know, so. out movie of you. Yeah, uh, we oh, yeah. watched Inside Out last night with the girls. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, so Bing good. Oh, well, thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you yeah thank you so much it's been nice to um i feel like i haven't like just talked to you in a long time so yeah here i am yeah. 
Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. That COVID thing, that COVID thing is kind of a... Kind of slowed things down quite a bit. Yeah, no kidding. Well, before we like officially sign off, can you let the listeners know kind of if you want to be found online, mm-hmm. where yeah. can they find you and your stuff? Sure. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at NateStone84. That's the year I was born. Spoiler alert, 36. Feeling great. Uh, you can also find a lot of the stuff that we do. Uh, they're going to intro this, but, uh, I lead a couple of communities. One's called cathedral. One's called bar church. So you can find us on there as well. Um, both are centered around helping people in tangible ways. Uh, and there's obviously a lot to that. So you can check us out on there. Um, especially cathedral, cathedral, actually both, both just do it differently. So, um, and those are my passions. My passions are helping people, which there's, again, there's some unhealthy stuff in that and there's some healthy stuff in that. I'm just kind of riding the wave and, hoping to end up as much on the healthy side as possible. We love it. Cool. Enneagram 8. <laughs> Enneagram 8. Yes. Out. <laughs> <laughs>